Tandem Nomads, episode 208. When you're moving to a new city, it's more than just the logistics of move. It's more than finding a house, but it's making sure that you find home. Hello, Nomad Nation. Welcome to Tandem Nomads, the podcast show and entrepreneurship platform where you can find great inspiration and tips to grow a successful portable business and thrive in your global nomadic life. This is your host, Emel I'm a business and marketing coach and the founder of Tandem Nomads. So those of you who are used to listen to this podcast show, Tandem Nomads, you know that I'm all about sharing with you lots of very pragmatic tips in marketing, um, insights of how to grow your portable business. But I'm also very passionate about inspiring you along your journey. And that combination between finding real uh, solutions and tools to help you grow your business through a process versus trusting your journey is something that I want to talk to you about today and taking action. And for that, I want to bring to you a very inspiring story from Lindy Chapman. Lindy, are you ready for this ride? I am so ready. I've been ready since I first heard you speak. (laughs) That's lovely. I'm so excited to have you on the show. So Nomad Nation, let me tell you a few words about Lindy. After 20 years as a relocation client supporting her husband's career, she entered the real estate and relocation industry where she serves as a champion for those who move by challenging, outdated processes that too often fail to the the fail the consumer. She also seeks through her podcast show, Relo Talk, to bring relocation clients into the conversation in order to serve as part of the solution rather than the problem to be solved in the industry. Quickly after launching her podcast, Relo Talk, the digital brokerage startup based in Houston called uh, DOS, the company DOS, named Lindy CEO of Social Agents, where she is building a team of real estate resource make- matchmakers to support home buyers and sellers, whether moving across town or to a new country. She also serves in the advisory board of Pivot a social app for relocated employees and families. And on top of it, Lindy is a mom of four young adults scattered from New York to San Francisco. And she and her husband are very passionate about helping marriages that move through their work to the significant marriage. So, so many amazing things that you're doing. I would define you, Lindy, as a serial entrepreneur. Would you, would you identify with that? I would, I would say that's very much the case. I don't think I realized I was though, until the children started going off um, and going and leaving the house and going to college. But yes, that would be an apt description. (laughs) That's great. You know, I've been watching your journey for the past two years since we, I think, started talking and it's been very amazing to see you go from, um, from seeing a big problem in the market, especially for expats, to actually taking action. And and that journey has been amazing to watch. So I look forward to sharing that with you. But before, could you tell us a little bit about where you lived and what you have done in all the different countries since you started this journey as a global nomad with your family? Thanks, Amel. Um, I moved to Vienna, Austria in between my sophomore and junior year of college. And I, even though I had traveled once before to Europe and I knew then when I was eight years old that I wanted to live overseas. So I got the opportunity to do that, Um, came back to the U.S., finished college, moved back to Vienna, Austria, and lived there for my first job with Young Life for the first couple of years, and and then married um, my husband, who was a gentleman that I had met in college, and we've been moving ever since because of his career. 
um, including Frankfurt, Germany, and then throughout the U.S. Um, most recently, we moved to Boston in January of last year, right prior to the world shutting down. And presently, I am in Dallas because we are going to be moving back here. And this time, we're moving back for my job for the first oh, time. That is fascinating. And I can't wait. That's exactly what we're going to talk about. Um, so well, have you been working while you were moving for your husband's job? No, you know, we moved every one to three years. I had four children fairly close together. The nomad life doesn't really lend itself. I'm older than you are. So digital nomads was, wasn't really a thing for the first you know, for, you know, when I first had children and for tw the 20 years that we were moving around. But when we moved from Germany back to Dallas in 2014, my last child was on their way out, was a freshman in college or freshman in high school. So I knew he was going to be headed out the door in a few years. Um, so that's when I kind of thought, you know what, I need to pick up and start a career. Otherwise, I'm probably just going to curl up in the fetal position because I don't know what to do other than to be a mom. And that was kind of when the journey started. And when you don't have a resume, you really have no choice but to be entrepreneurial. Mm -hmm. And um, and then I went to Families and Global Transition, discovered it, and I was like, I couldn't believe that it existed. And I hadn't known about it during all those moves. And when I went to Bangkok to the conference, you were one of the first person that really inspired me to think and to see and to realize what's possible. Wow. I did not know that. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, so inspiring. I was inspired by your passion and actually we'll talk about networking and how good you were <laughs> at connecting with everybody at that conference and sharing that passion that you have. And I think that's one of the reasons why it led you so far in two years, basically it's been two years. You can almost right. day to date, actually, I you know. can almost celebrate it. Um, so where did you start? So actually, here we go. Let's start with, I think the most important starting point of any venture for me is the problem. I always say if you have a, if you want to start a business or if you're looking for a business, mm -hmm. or even if you already have a business, you need to be really good at identifying yeah. what problem you have, but also being passionate about it. And you have no problem being passionate <laughs> about this problem for sure. So tell us about that big problem that you were so you know, passionate about. I, I think it's also making sure you know what the problem is. I thought the problem was, is we had had some good agents and I thought the problem was we had had some bad agents. So I became a real estate agent thinking, well, I would just emulate the good agents and I would go in there and, and hopefully I, I love to teach. I, I homeschooled my kids and I'd done a, I was a substitute teacher when we lived in, in Frankfurt. So I thought, well, I'll just go in and I'll train agents and teach them how to be better agents and to understand the problems. That wasn't the problem. The problem is the industry, the way the industry operates, the way the referral fees work, the way relocation works with. So real could you tell agents. us, could you explain us for those who don't know about real estate, especially because not everybody's necessarily aware about this industry. If we might have to do a whole other yeah. show, so I'll keep it very <laughs> yeah. short. You know, in the US it operates differently. I'll explain it this way. When we moved to Frankfurt, Germany, um, we had a different experience and it was phenomenal. We had a lady named Cheryl Koenig with um, Cheryl Koenig Relocation Services and her group moved us. And they really understood that it wasn't just finding us a house. And, and, and as I say in my business, it's not finding you a house. I help you find home. It's so mm -hmm. much more than the logistics. And then when we moved back to the U.S. and they spend, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars or a hundred thousand dollars or more moving, especially in an international move. And it was a disaster. 
We had to work with a certain brokerage. We had an agent, found out she didn't have the time that we needed. She didn't have the local expertise. She didn't understand we weren't Texan. We weren't really even American. We had kids in high school, two kids in college, and we didn't get the help that we needed to find schools. And yet our company, my husband's company, had spent a small fortune and invested the money to move us here. And it was a disaster. My son ended up in three different high schools because we hadn't gotten the guidance we needed. I ended up finding the house. And the interesting thing about that, I did have Zillow at that point, but I realized later it was the sixth house that I had found on my own apart from the real estate agent. And now, especially as technology is becoming more and more, you know, available and, and, and we're more in control of the process. What I didn't understand is that the way relocation and real estate work together is that the relocation companies are taking 40 to 50% of the agent's commission. Agents aren't making the money. There's no strategy involved. There's no training involved. And there's a lot of, um, we've just always done it this way. Mm -hmm. And they're continuing it that way. And there's, and I won't even go into all the problems, but there's so many challenges with it. There are a lot of challenges. Like I just put an offer on a house and I was having to go to different agents in different, with different brokerages to find out about their, and this is supposedly illegal, but they're still doing it. They're exclusive listings. So I'm a relocation, I'm a relocation client moving to town. Let's say I have a whole week to find houses. The only houses I'm able to find are the ones that my agent tells me about, the exclusives at her brokerage, and, um, and the ones that are in MLS. But I'm missing out on those people who might be selling in two weeks from now, and their home's going to be on the market. And I'm missing out from broker A, B, and C's exclusives because I'm working with agent D, with broker, brokerage D, and I'm able to see theirs that are coming on the market, but I'm not able to see the others. Um, and so it's a very outdated and it's a very... Um, my husband calls it a cartel, the way they operate, mm -hmm. because they're trying to keep out the disruptors, like my company, DOS, mm -hmm. um, Redfin, um, and other companies that are innovators trying to change the way and make it more so the consumer is in control. So it's it's really an interesting, um, it's, it's like being told you still have to rent videos and you still have to go to the neighborhood blockbuster, as That's opposed to having Netflix and Amazon Prime and Hulu and all <laughs> the other opportunities that you have to watch movies. That's fascinating. You've seen that there's a problem not only in the in the market, but in the whole industry that's so deep that it actually almost like beyond disrupted to try to tackle it because yeah. it's just the whole system you're trying to change. We won't go into that detail, <laughs> but because it would be too long to go into that. Absolutely. But I would love to try to summarize what I've seen and then tell me if this is correct. So when we've met, you were talking about this issue and how passionate you were. And I think if I remember well, you first started by trying to be a real estate agent. Mm -hmm. And then you realize how broken the system was. That's when you started being interested in relocation as a whole for expats mm -hmm. and even right. within the in the US. And that's when you started the Relo Talk, which was initially a live on LinkedIn, a weekly live. And today mm -hmm. it's a weekly live and also a podcast show. You're right on track. <laughs> Excellent. So you did that. And then you got noticed by this company called Toss, who got you to offer you this position as CEO. Yes. Um, it, yeah, it was just because I was defining the problem and I, and I really was creating, again, I started Talk because we moved to, I was, I'd created a relocation company. I built a six figure business here in Dallas and we moved. 
what do you do when you move? You, you have to start all over, especially if you're, because I was really primarily a real estate agent at that point. I just worked with mainly buyers that were moving to Dallas. Um, and we move in January, the world shuts down, relocation is non-existent. And I had just started and launched a relocation company. Well, the only thing I could do was just interview people, right? I mean, there's not much else that I could do in, in Boston at that point. And so, um, so that's what I did. But yeah, it got the attention. And one of the things that I was really doing, two things. One, I was drawing attention to what was wrong with the real estate industry and trying to get the attention of the relocation companies to, to rethink the way they do it, to rethink their relationships with these real estate companies and the way they've always done things, especially as there are lawsuits right now, there's challenges to the commission structure that eventually will no longer allow the way they've always worked, which is really, quite frankly, as a monopoly, um, it's not going to be able to continue to operate that way. But innovation can't happen when a monopoly is happening, mm. right? It prevents it. But there's a lot of things that have been changing behind the scenes. So I wanted to get the attention to draw attention to the technology that's coming along, like Lynn Greenberg with Pivot and other companies like Selling Later with Wendy Gilch and, um, and talk about how the industry is changing. But Fridays for me, as I'm seeing this industry change, and I know that it's going to change, even though um, I don't think a lot of people still recognize it, we have the solution. Like, why did I not know about FIGT during these last 20 years relocating? Why did I not get connected and have been told, hey, there's this lady named Amel Dereggi with Tandem Nomads, and we're going to pay for two hours of consulting with her when you move because we think she'll help you get your footing as you try to recreate your career. Simple. But instead, they've got these big clunky corporations and different companies and stuff that they work with that, and some of them have never moved. They've not, they've not, or they really focus on the corporate relocation spouse that's giving, well, most of us aren't corporate relocation spouses. And most of us that are doing this, I mean, the reason our husband or wife is successful as an employee is because we've been willing to pick up and move every time. And we've supported them. Oh my so it's God. not just corporate people that need corporate career advice. It's anybody that's moving. And we've got the resources. Why recreate something when we already have it? It's like almost solving two problems, right? We as the relocation spouses and partners need a purpose. We need, we like to be included in the process. And we've created these amazing careers that would help any spouse or partner kind of look and see the opportunities rather than the obstacles. Yeah, I love it. And we can feel that passion that you have around that problem. And I had chills when you were talking about that, you know, <laughs> how the corporate world and the companies are completely detached from the reality that the families are going through. And it's true that they, a lot of them do invest a lot of money, but like you said, that money. money is wasted in inefficiency and going into a system and a and monopolies in corporate world as well that is just here to to basically invoice these companies and say we did something. But mm -hmm. so one of the things that I found, and I think we could have a whole episode about this issue, but I do want to invite you, Nomad Nation, if you're interested in this topic, to tune into Real Talk because we, we you dive deep into all the different layers of this topic. Mm -hmm. But what I would love to talk to you today about is that not only I just described the journey you've been through, but on top of it, like you said, you've been working as an advisory uh, part of the advisory board for startups like Vivid, and you also have other um, other ventures that you're going through. My first question to you is that how did you know where to start? I had no idea. <laughs> 
I, you know, I think I just started. I started and I started out at a company. I got my real estate license, which I would say for anybody that's in, um, that's a, a supporting spouse, it's a great way to get a license and get a business card and, and, and start to work. You may not end up there, but, but it's a great place to get started. Um, and I went to a brokerage and that's when I learned everything about the industry and, and, and it just wasn't a good fit. And I left, but it was a good place to start. I had no idea. It was just what, it's not where I ended up. It wasn't um, the right or wrong place. But you know what? I did Strength Finders. If you've ever done Strength Finders, and I have a good friend named Joanna Wiesinger, who's a Strength Finders coach. Um, and I've that? met several What's other people. Finders? It's Gallup Strength Finders. It's a $20 test you can do online. Mm-hmm. And um, I took the test and I found out that my five top strengths were ideation, looking at the way things have always been done and finding a different way to do it, um, connecting. And so I'm, I'm always connecting. Um, woo, which is winning others over, strategic. And none of those things fit in with a traditional broker, right? They're not looking for innovation. They're doing things the same way they did it 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago, right? They're not looking for connection and collaboration. It's a dog eat dog world. You're competing, you're competing with everybody in your brokerage. You have to get so many listings and you have to do so many things in order to keep favorable splits. Um, and it wasn't strategic. There's nothing strategic about charging you 6% to list your house or getting paid 3% whether I'm selling you a $2 million house or a $200,000 house. There's nothing strategic about that. It makes no sense that I can make $60,000 doing the same amount of work that I might make $6,000 for, right? Um, so I didn't fit. But as soon as I learned those strengths and, and what was in my, in my friend Joanna Wiesinger, her tagline is, what's strong with you? Because my manager told me I would never be successful because every time I would say something, it would, totally was out of line with the way the, their business model worked. Mm. But what was strong with me were those strengths and I needed to find a place where those could be implemented and appreciated. So that's when I just, I found a broker that would let me do my own thing. And so that's kind of how I built my business and um, just kind of went from there. That's amazing. So if I just had to decode a little bit from the perspective of, of a coach, the first thing is to understand your strength, what you've done is to research and Absolutely. reach out to experts who can help you understand your strength and what you really want to do. And then realizing that you don't fit in, but that did not stop you from trying to find where you fit it. But on top of it, what you've done is that you've started your own thing. You couldn't fit to the mold no matter what and I think you still don't fit to the mold I don't. but you said okay let me start the real talk so any tips about that like how I remember we discussed you know you we were talking this episode is all about process versus trusting the journey and getting starting somewhere mm-hmm. I remember we talked a lot about the tools at the beginning and all the things you could do uh, but at the end you just went for it so any tips you can share about that what did you practically do that helped you get started with the real talk, for instance? You know, I just wasn't fearful. I, I just, I, or I was fearful. That would be a lie. So I was, for, <laughs> um, but I think it was having support people. I had a dear friend, Michael Goldberg, who, and I had gotten LinkedIn live access early on, which was a very bizarre thing. Um, and, and just kind of, because I'd never done a Facebook live at that point. Um, and so I'd had some success in doing that and had used it in Dallas. But then when I moved to Boston, I didn't feel like I had anything to say. And I think surround yourself with people that will be your champions. And Michael called and just said, look, just get on there and do it. I'll be your first guest and we'll just talk. And, and so he walked me through it. And I, I just have always appreciated 
that. So I think it's just surrounding yourself and, and that can be hard to find, right? Especially among women. Sometimes women that support women are, um, and that's one of the reasons that I appreciate you so much, Gabriella Encina, um, Sunday, um, Kath. I mean, the list goes on and on of people that we've learned met through um, families and global transition that really seek to support other women. Um, so I would say, I think that's the place to start is to find those people and people that champion you for, for what's different about you. I mean, I think, I think I love watching that with you on Sunday, right? You're both doing somewhat similar things. You're both in a competing space, yet you've realized you both bring unique and different things to the table. And what she might not do well, you do well. And what you might not do well, she does well. And I think that's just so important, um, especially I think for us women. You've touched uh, onto something so, so important right now is that whole mindset around competition, but also around asking for help mm -hmm. and building a network. And like you said, I don't know what's the wording you used, but um, I have an episode where I was talking about building your own board of directors, mm -hmm. that their whole soul, soul goal is your success. Yeah. And you've surrounded yourself with a lot of people like that who wanted to help you no matter what and without without charging just because they wanted yeah. to help you. So how did you manage to do that? How do you get to people wanting to help you? You know, I, a book that I read that was really um, instrumental, it was right after my manager told me I would never be successful, my first manager after we moved here, um, was the book The Go-Giver by Bob Berg. Oh, yes. I interviewed him not too long ago and um, and just realizing that, I mean, if you're giving to other people, if you are serving and you are coming at life at that, an act of service, um, um, uh, uh, competition is fine. There's nothing wrong with it, but we can also collaborate or cooperation and do a little combination of both. But, um, you know, I, I think that go-giver mentality of giving more than you're taking and, and seeking to improve the lives of others. You just can't help but have that come back um, tenfold. And I so I think it. that was a big part of it was um, learning to do that, learning to do that with my customers. And the more that I did that with people, instead of trying to, I have a funny little commercial that I created with my husband where he announces in a coffee shop that he has a, he's relocating and he has a house to sell. His friend goes, oh, don't you have a huge, he goes, well, I don't know how to find an agent. And the guy says, well, don't you have a big, beautiful house to sell? And he says it really loudly. And everybody in the coffee shop is a real estate agent and they are trying to get their business cards to him rather than asking questions first, finding out what it is he needs. They're just trying to get the listing and he needs somebody to ask questions and find out, are you selling a condo? Are you selling a farm and ranch? Are you selling a house in the city? Or are you selling a house out in the suburbs? Mm. And so I think that's a lot of it is just really recognizing what other people need finding the problems and offering solutions. And if you're not the right solution, be networked enough so that you know who to connect them with. Yes. And that's powerful. Being a connector, that's also a great power. You mentioned this book, The Go-Giver, that I highly recommend, Nomad Nation. Mm. We had the author of the book as well on Tandem Nomads. Oh, did you? So we will, uh, we will put the link on the show notes of this episode. But I do see that you live and breathe The Go-Giver, Lindy, <laughs> and the way you created the network and connected people to each other. You've always been a great connector. Um, I think that's a great thing to, it leads you a long way. So but again, it goes yeah. back to your strengths. You may not have that, you know, somebody might not have that strength, but they're going to have other strengths that I don't have. 
But for me to connect and for me to ideate and come up with new ideas, I don't even have to think about it. It's not even work to me. So I think it's really finding out what are those four or five strengths that don't even seem like work to you. They're, they're as natural as breathing. Mm. And I think if you can identify those and then find a place that appreciates those, um, it's not work. That's and it's powerful. easy. That's powerful. So take a moment here, Lindy, just close your eyes and think about the fact that two years ago, you were wondering what to get started. And today you are CEO. How does that feel? Um, you know, it just seems like it's just been a very, if I look at it, it, it's just been a slow process. It's been a slow journey and it's been all the pieces falling together. Um, I will say I have a very deep faith. And so there's a part of me that really sees things just happen as they should. Um, we just do what we're supposed to do. You do the right thing. Um, you treat others better than you treat yourself or like you would want to be treated. And, um, and, and I think, and in my faith, I just, I believe God opens doors and that doesn't mean that things all go well, things go badly, right? I had a manager tell me that I wasn't successful. I was angry about moving to Dallas. There were obstacles all along the way, but we all have choices. How do we react to those? Do we, we do we seize them and look for the opportunity or do we, do we latch onto victim status and decide that the world is against us? And I've just always chosen to think that I have a purpose on this life. Um, which is to serve others. And uh, so I think if you, and, and that may be a little bit too heady than where you were going, but I just think it was, it's just simply doing the right thing every day. And, so and and being CEO, it sounds fancier than it really is. I mean, it's a great job. I'm excited about it. Yeah, it is amazing. But that was important to me because I have two daughters and I chose to stay home. I have four kids, but two daughters. I chose to stay home and support my spouse for 20 years. And so I really, it's not just that I wanted to be CEO. It has nothing to do with that. Or it's not that I just had a certain amount of money I wanted to make. I really wanted to be a role model for them and for other um, women or for men that decide to stay home so that their wife or their partner can be the breadwinner, that that's okay to do that for a season. Because, I mean, that was the best job I ever had. And it was what he needed at the time. And it was just where I was in life. And, um, and I want my own girls to be able to make those decisions. Um, that if they decide they want to stay home and support a spouse that moves, that they can. Or, um, and then the other part of that too, is I, I really want to support my husband. I want him to be able to retire and enjoy taking care of me and cooking and going to the golf course or whatever, and, and give him that break because it's a lot of responsibility to be responsible for paying the bills and taking care of the family. That's powerful. So inspiring. Nomad Nation. I hope you listen to this piece again and again. It's so, so many nuggets in what you shared here, Lindy. And again, it goes back to trusting in our journey, but also having faith, no matter what background we come from, mm -hmm. it is so important. Um, beyond the process, I do believe in process, but I do mm -hmm. think that process does not work if we don't, first of all, are aligned with our values. We know why we're doing what we're doing, but also have faith that things will mm -hmm. work out as long as you just decide to do something about it, no matter what, start somewhere, right? right? And, have and, a, and have a why behind it. You know, like why. I said, it can't just be, I want to be a CEO. Why would you want to be a CEO? Or I want to have a successful business. Why do you want to have a successful business? And, and know the answer to that. Yeah. So what is the biggest challenge you had to get here? Um, being okay with no. I was told no more than I was told yes. Uh, there was another C-suite position that I had really wanted with the startup a couple of years ago, and I was told no. 
that I was a maverick and that their COO was a maverick and <laughs> hire two mavericks and, and that they were willing to hire me at really a fraction of what I was already making on my own. Um, and, and just, you know, being okay with no, that was, that was just, and it wasn't that, oh, I'm discriminated against, or, oh, it's because I'm a woman or, oh, it's because whatever, it just wasn't the right place. And that's okay. And, and if, and if you try to fit yourself into a square hole or a square round hole in your square peg or however that saying goes, you're never going to be happy. So when the answer is no, look for the place where you fit. Look, I mean, so I would say that's, um, I think it's just being able to take no, it's just, it's just no. And that's I love okay. that. I love that. It is so important. And I'm sure that you had to take a lot on yourself to be able to, to move on, but it's part of what makes you stronger, I guess. It is. And I think it really is. It's seeing those obstacles. I was, I had the pleasure of meeting um, Nick Vujicic this weekend. I don't know if you know who wow, he is. Yeah. Um, Maybe you want to explain so that um, he's um, life without limbs. He is the Australian. He lives in the U S now. He was born with no arms, no legs. And you, you see a story like that, definitely Googling, but you see a story like that and you go, okay, like any excuses I have aren't an excuse. And you see the power that he has um, because of his, you know, the way his, the way he was parented, what he was, the mentors that he had in his life. And he's never allowed not having arms and legs to be an excuse. It's his superpower. And I think if we can look at those obstacles that we have in our life and see that there are superpower, then there's no stopping you. But when we make excuses, that's, that's never, that's never going to take you where you want to go. No, so powerful for sure. You know, I would love to know what are the, I think what's important here for me that I wanted to share is that journey that you just shared with us and that important mindset that leads to getting somewhere. But along the way, you might have had some obstacles along the way that you needed to solve that I know a lot of people get stuck with, which is more the pragmatic aspects. Okay, I want to start a podcast. Where do I start? Um, one of the biggest one for me that I can see in your case is, how do you manage it all? Like, how do you get it all done? Um, yeah. Which So just 24 hours a day and you're involved in so many ventures. Um, what are the pragmatic things that helped you that you implemented to be able to, um, to get where you are today? You know what? I've been doing too much on my own. So I wish I had a better answer for that. <laughs> <laughs> I need to hire a virtual assistant and somebody to do my social media. I have a, a Facebook page and, and I, I have like three people that like liked it today. And I'm like, I haven't posted on that thing in forever. Um, so I, you know, I think, but it is, I mean, I would say this is, you know, this is me telling you to do something that I don't do myself, but it's it, sometimes you just, you hire people, you pay people or you barter. I'm, I'm a big fan of bartering and, um, and, and get help that way. Yeah. And, uh, and how did you get to learn, for example, how to use LinkedIn live and, and, <laughs> and podcasting desperation. I was told that I couldn't do relocation. A VP of relocation asked me to present to agents and to tell them and help them to understand the challenges from the expat or the relocation client's view. And then my manager shut it down and told me I had no business to do that. And I guess I left and I started seeing there's a, a lady that I had seen doing video on LinkedIn. And I thought, well, that's interesting. And, and I really wanted to, I, being on Facebook doing that didn't make any sense because I wasn't trying to get clients. I was really trying to get the ear of the industry and maybe get somebody to hire me to come train their agents. And so I, and a friend of mine about that time started the 10 tips, 10 days. If you saw that campaign on LinkedIn, this was 
several years ago, again, right when video had launched. And so I did 10 tips, 10 days on the challenges of relocation from the client's point of view and just tips on how to do it, how to navigate it. And a couple of them, I had, I had a client with me in one of them and she had moved from Germany about the same time I had. And um, I had another friend of mine that helped people recreate their careers. And, and so we just, I just talked about just different aspects of it. And that got a ton of attention. And so when LinkedIn actually came to Dallas to speak to the real estate industry, and again, this is probably within six months of having been told I would never be successful. They asked me to be one of the three presenters um, using LinkedIn or LinkedIn video for the real estate industry. Oh my God, this is so good. Um, (laughs) It's almost better than being CEO. It's like, yeah, it was, it was like, it was, and and it was like, and I had a friend of mine tell me, I I spoke at another event and the lady that was head of it said, she goes, Lindy, it's like, you take, what is it? You, somebody tells you, no, you take, you do it twice and take pictures. (laughs) I love that. I love that. And I didn't mean to do it that way. It was just like, I knew in my heart of hearts that that was my passion. That was what I wanted to do. And I was one of those bad kids that if you told me not to do something, if you told me it was hot, I'm going to touch it. I love it. And so I I think that was it. But um, but yeah, so that was, and then they saw that I was not using LinkedIn to sell my houses or to try to get business. I was trying to help consumers. I was trying to help real estate agents. I was talking about a problem and solutions and I was advocating for Dallas. And so they, when they did launch LinkedIn live, they asked me to be one of the first original beta testers, which were, also was like I you said, were what, you hysterical are the because, first person I've seen using yeah, LinkedIn live because I had never done a Facebook live. I still have only probably done two Facebook lives. So, um, yeah. but yeah, but it was very instrumental. I mean, it really was part of the process. Yeah. So, so Lindy, there's one thing that I keep always repeating to my clients and to my listeners is start somewhere and you'll mm. see where it gets you. Yeah. And one of the biggest places where people get stuck is in creating content. I believe that creating content is an amazing way to get noticed and to talk about what passionates you about that problem that you feel fired up about. And just start somewhere, do it somewhere, and then you'll see. You don't have to have a strategy. And I think you're the living proof of that. Like you just started with those 10 days, 10 tips, and then look at where it took you. So Nomad Nation, I hope you get that inspiration. And this convince you of if you have a message to share with the world, I don't care if it's through lives. I don't care if it's through blogging, podcasting. I don't care how, but just share it with the world. Find the way that works for you and do it and you will see. Trust trust the journey that it will take you where it has to go. And if you've been a global nomad, there is absolutely nothing too hard for you. <laughs> I love you that. You think about all the things that you have to overcome from getting in the house sold in one place to getting moved to a new place and all the logistics that go into that. Anything else you do is going to be simple. So don't ever underestimate what you've done as a tandem nomad. Oh my God. You must be my soul sister. I keep repeating that all the time. (laughs) It's so good. I love it, Lindy. Well, um, thank you for sharing that. Before we say goodbye, there's two things I'd like to know. First of all, on top of this great message, is there anything else you want to share to those who feel like they have something that they want to put out to the world? There's something that want to change, but don't know where to start. What do you Mm -hmm. want to tell them? I think it's what you said, you know, find a problem to solve. Um, give yourself grace. Not every move do you have to be somebody, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's okay. Find out who you are, figure it out, be comfortable in your own skin. 
Um, you know, I, CEO is a new title to me. I was, um, you know, I, I just was a mom for the longest time. And, um, and that was a great role. And I, I just never second guessed every time I moved, I would, my husband always laugh and go, who are you going to be this time? But I didn't have a firm set of expectations on me of what that was going to be like. De define your own definition of success. Don't let it be anybody else's. Make sure your spouse, your partner is on the same page. We mentioned this at the beginning um, before we started, I guess you recording the significant marriage is something mm -hmm. I'm involved in because I'm very passionate about marriages and it's especially uh, an added challenge when you move. Um, and I think, but it needs to be a partnership. And one of the things that we do with the significant marriage is it's like a business plan. It's created by a dear friend of mine who is Indian, who's a chemical engineer and an executive. And then his wife, who's a dear friend of mine, I've known for 30 years. I met her in Vienna, very different people, very different backgrounds, different religious backgrounds, different family backgrounds, different career backgrounds. And that's marriage, right? You seldom marry somebody who's just like you. And if you do, it might not be a good thing. And find work like a team. Find a way to work like a team with that partner and, and give your partner the freedom to be who they are. Help them to be the best version of themselves and, and help them to figure that out. Don't take on what somebody else expects you to be. That's amazing. And we will put the link of the significant marriage into the, in the show notes of this episode. Is there any other, like, where would you like us to go find you actually, Lindy? Um, best place is LinkedIn. Just look Lindy Chapman up at LinkedIn and um, you can look up the hashtag Relo Talk on LinkedIn to find the live episodes and follow that and you'll get notices. Um, Relo Talk is on anywhere you find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, And um, that's probably the best way because I don't do any other social media very much. And, um, and then with DOS, um, you know, if you're a real estate agent and you're looking for somewhere to put your license and do something different, contact me. Um, if you're ever moving within the U.S., give me a call. I, I tend to give this out to other social agents um, like Kelly Hartquist, Annette Walters, um, a number of people that are expats that are really good at, at helping you make sure you get the right resources when you're showing up in a new city. Um, because like I said at the beginning, it's more than finding a house. You've got to find home, um, which is one of the reasons I'm excited about Pivot and what Lynn Greenberg is doing with that app. That's amazing. That's fantastic. Yeah. So we'll put all of that. Nomad Nation, there's so many resources we mentioned in this episode. So go to tandemnomads.com slash 208 and we'll put all those links. Lindy, thank you so much for sharing your inspiring journey with you. And I'm sure that we'll keep uh, watching you and seeing even a bigger impact that you'll be doing along the years. Thanks well, again. thanks, Amel. I send people to you, your website all the time. And you thanks. truly were one of the first um, inspirational people to me because I saw you on that stage at, at, at FIGT in Bangkok. And I thought, wow, okay, she's got it figured out. She's done this. She's done where I want to go. And I've just enjoyed following mm -hmm. you and being a part of some of your groups. And, uh, and so you're always one of my go-tos when I know people that are looking to seek a, a career. It means the world to me. Thank you so, so much, Lindy. And Nomad Nation, I hope that you got a lot of inspiration and trust your journey. <laughs> Start somewhere and trust the journey. It doesn't have to be perfect. So I can't wait to meet you in the next episode. Stay tuned to turn your challenges into great opportunities.